0: Have you ever found a hidden treasure? I'm not talking like an actual hidden treasure, but like a little out-of-the-way spot that nobody knows about. It's like you uncovered it or you found some great deal someplace or some vacation spot. Well, years ago, when Ruth and I were newlyweds, we took a little trip to Kentucky. And we got to this little town and they said, the locals there said, there's a hidden treasure on top of the mountain. Here it is. It's called Guntown Mountain. You should go visit it. It's amazing. And so it's kind of like an old west town. So we went up there and checked it out as newlyweds. We were young and in love and said, this is going to be amazing. And um, we got there. Keep going. And we should have known ahead of time that this might not be a hidden treasure, when we saw this sa- sign, but we just keep blundering forward. And and then uh, we, we came to the kind of the, the place, the welcome center for Guntown Mountain, and then we went out on the streets where they had these reenactments, and it was kind of like an Old West. You can tell it's not the greatest place ever. And then eventually met the cast of all the kind of uh, reenactments that they had, and then they had a show with dancers, these these can-can dancers, and they had the long boa feathers. And of course, I was chosen out of the crowd to be a part of the can-can show. So they brought me forward, sat me on a chair, and all the women danced around me, putting their boa feathers around my neck and singing a song directly to me, which I, if I recall correctly, it ended with, we're all crazy about Quentin, And Quentin's crazy about Ruth. So that's how it all ended. Uh, Guys, I can't believe that that all happened. Uh, Eventually, Guntown Mountain closed. Uh, Do not enter. Code enforcement deems this property unsafe. It was closed. But good news. The hidden treasure just this year is reopening. And he's there to welcome you back. So if you want to see not a hidden treasure, go to Guntown Mountain in Cave City, Kentucky. You know, guys, a lot of hidden treasures, let's frankly, are a disappointment. They, they they promise us so much, but they're like those vending machine chips you get, you know, and you, you pay for it, and then you get the bag of chips, and when you get the bag of chips, you open it, it's mostly air. There's like 12 chips in there, and the rest of it is air. A lot of things that are promised to us as treasures turn out to be duds, right? But, The book of Proverbs, which we are walking through together, offers a hidden treasure that truly delivers on its promises. The treasure of the book of Proverbs is the wisdom of God. So uh, I want you to think of these scenarios in your life as we walk through this today. Proverbs chapter 2. Maybe you you say, my child is encountering some tough times in school, whether it's academically or with social, uh, friends and socially, or with peer pressure, whatever it might be. Maybe you're asking yourself these days, how do I navigate all the crazy cultural trends that are happening? Or you say, I'm hitting a roadblock with a, a friend or in a relationship and an issue has arisen and I don't know what to do with this. Or Maybe in marriage you're saying, you know, I love my spouse, but lately it's been really tough sledding. Maybe some of you out there are saying, you know, I'm struggling with anxiety or depression, or I've been going through this really challenging trial lately and it's wearing me out. Uh, maybe you say, I've got a big financial decision staring at me in the face. I've got, I'm have got i considering a career move. I've been battling a bad habit for years. I'm doing okay, but I feel like I'm stuck. I'm in a rut. Uh, or you, you're saying, I'd like my faith to grow, but I really don't know how to move forward. Well, today we come to the book of Proverbs chapter two. And um, what the book of Proverbs offers to us is not a quick fix for any of those scenarios I just outlined to you. But what it is going to do for me and for you is to shape your heart, shape your mind, shape your soul in such a way so that you can, over time, make better decisions, sort through all the options that are there for you, have a greater measure of peace and contentment in your life, love God and love people in a better and deeper ways, a respond with thoughtful and godly actions and reactions and uh, attitudes instead of knee-jerk reactions to to things. Uh, You're gonna discover how to balance competing priorities in your life, how to live a life of stronger integrity and faithfulness, how to navigate through some difficulties or questions that you have, how to explore some really complex, difficult decisions, in a lot of different diverse settings and situations and circumstances, and ultimately to learn in your day-to-day realities how a daily faith in Jesus Christ and how the Word of God can empower you in every situation you face. It's a holistic approach to life. That's what the book of Proverbs is going to give to us over the months that we're going to study it together. So you are saying, I'm in. How do I get there? How do we find and enjoy the hidden treasure of God's wisdom we've been talking about? Okay, so first step, and there's a little, a little map here we're gonna walk you through, is to seek the treasure. We're gonna seek the treasure of God's words, and there are four aspects of seeking the treasure of God's wisdom. First one, verse one, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, here's the first principle, just be teachable be open. He says, well, if you welcome my words, if you will receive it, if you will be teachable, if you will store up my commands within you, what's this mean? To cherish, to treasure, to hide it away in your hearts. What you're saying here is I want God's direction in my life. I am open to change. I am open to new ideas and projects from the word of God. I am openness to... I have an openness to change my mind about things, to be transformed by the renewing of my mind in the Word of God as I surrender myself to what God has to say rather than just doing it on my own. Why do we need this teachability? It's an important theme in the book of Proverbs. We need it because oftentimes on our own, on my own, I have foolish, or impure motives I have highly subjective or wrong conclusions about stuff I have enormous all of us have enormous personal and cultural baggage that we bring to our lives it's the way that the culture disciples us the way that you and I view the world um, years ago uh, one of our uh, kids uh, was crying about something and I I said to this child, you need to stop crying about this. They were just whining about something. And they said, Dad, blessed are those who mourn, says the word of God. And I said, good try, but really taken out of context, all right? But we all do this, right? So am I really open to God's direction? Uh, you know, some believers in Jesus, some followers of Jesus, have enormous potential of what God could do in their lives. But they're not teachable. They've closed their hearts. They're unwilling to go in a certain direction in life. They've already decided what they think. And the question here today is: You, if do you really have a teachable heart, or do you think you've already arrived? You know. Um, uh, I I read this the other day. It says, if you can start your day without caffeine, if you can always be cheerful, ignoring all your aches and pains, if you can resist complaining and boring people with your troubles, if you can eat the same food every day and be grateful for it, if you can understand when your loved ones are too busy to give you any time, if you can overlook it when those you love take it out on you when through no fault of your own something goes wrong, if you can take criticism and blame without resentment, If you can ignore a friend's limited education and never correct him or her, if you can resist treating a rich friend better than a poor friend, if you can face the world without lies and deceit, if you can conquer tension without dependence on alcohol, if you can say honestly that deep in your heart you, ha- you harbor no prejudice against any race, ethnicity, class, or politics, then, my friend, you are almost as good as your dog because your dog already does all that stuff. So we got a long ways to go. Am I open? The Bible says in Romans eight, that God's plan for our lives is to be conformed to the image of Christ, to remake us to be just like Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I got a long way to go to be just like Jesus Christ. So am I open to that? His radical agenda to transform me. In order for that to happen, We must be teachable. We must welcome God's teaching, his rebuke, his correction, and his training in righteousness. And we must be open to learning new things. We must be teachable. I want to show you a little clip of a Formula One pit stop in in a race. Check it out. Here it is. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Did you see that? If you missed it, let's watch it in slow motion because in just four seconds, these guys, they're going to jack up the front and back of the race car, support the side of the car, adjust the front spoiler, change all four tires. One guy is going to serve as a backup front jack and one guy signals the driver to move forward. All in four seconds. Why am I showing this video to you? That's a good question. And the reason I'm showing it to you is that A friend of mine, fellow pastor Larry Osborne, in one of his books says this statement: What could a team of medical doctors possibly learn from practicing medicine from about practicing medicine from a Formula One racing team? If the doctors remain teachable, maybe they could learn a lot. He writes, "That's what happened at Great Ormond Street Hospital in London after completing a 12-hour emergency transplant. The head physician watched a Formula One race." And as the car pulled into the pit, he noted that the crew changed the tires, did all those things, and it took off in like a few seconds. It struck him that it often took 30 minutes for his team of doctors and nurses to untangle and unplug all the wires and tubes and transfer a patient from surgery to ICU. He wondered if a racing team could teach a hospital how to run an emergency room. Imagine the pushback! from the trained medical staff when the McLaren and Ferrari racing teams showed up to advise them on how to improve their emergency services. After all, what did they know about surgery or patient care? Nothing. But what did they know about speeding up complex processes? Everything. As a result, after visiting with the Formula One racing team, the hospital staff initiated cha- major changes, including better training, new procedures, a step-by-step check- checklist covering each stage of the handover, a diagram so that everyone knew their exact physical position as well as their precise task. It almost cut in half the handover errors that they had been experiencing. The hospital team's problems were solved by a group of people who knew nothing about the practice of emergency room medicine, but the Formula One's team's expertise allowed them to easily spot what the hospital tribe had missed and the medical team had the humility and the teachability to learn from outsiders. I share all that with you because there's a lot of people who don't think the Bible has anything to teach them about real life, about their workplace, about their family, about this or about that. They just don't think that, they they aren't teachable. That's for the church, that's for Sunday, that's for wimps, that's for weak people, that's for religious people, that's for unintelligent people. And I say to you, no, it's for teachable people for humble people, open people, sincere people, sensible people, real people, real life. And if we, during this series, can be open to the teachings of a 3,000-year-old book from the wisest man in the world, according to God, we might just learn something. In fact, we might learn a lot. So open your heart. Be wide open for whatever God wants to teach you through His Word. Verse 2 listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. Here's the second principle. Not only be teachable, but be intentional. He says, listening closely to wisdom. It's literally bending your ear or stretching your ear, making a conscious step to open up your mind to what God has to say. Directing your heart, inclining your heart to understanding from the word of God. Bending in his direction. So we intentionally take steps to open ourselves up. In other words, this is not a passive process where we just kind of wait for God. We bend our ears, lean into God. We're anxious to learn. We're intentional. We take intentional steps to receive wisdom from God. We have a plan of action. We make choices that keep our ears open to hearing God's wisdom. We start the day by directing our hearts toward God. We keep this heart direction throughout the course of the day. Now the enemy of finding hidden treasure, God's wisdom, is passivity. It's just letting life kind of come to us and not really seeking out God's wisdom. It's passivity. In that regard, many of the things that we spend our time doing are very passive. One of the more notable ones is social media. How many times have you or I found ourselves just kind of scrolling and we're just letting it happen to us? We have no particular purpose for what we're looking for. We're just kind of letting it take take over. And I get that, and that can be sort of entertaining or enlightening or whatever, but too much of that isn't good. Brett McCracken is an author and a pastor who has written an incredible book called the wisdom pyramid and in this book he 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 patterns it after the food pyramid that basically says you can't just eat dessert all the time you have to have good food and he he lines it out and he gives some detail in this let me let me line it out to you he starts he says the foundation your main meal of how you're taking wisdom begins with the bible that's our daily bread where that's the that's the majority of what we're taking in every day, we're making sure that that's that's priority. And then the second one is is our local church and the tradition of of Christians who've walked with God through the ages. Here we 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 spend time in worship. We we are around wise people in physical place and proximity. We join a life group. We learn from others. We we also lo- listen to time. Tested theology, not just the latest fads. We 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 look to find wise people throughout the history of the church, and we look back and say, what can we learn from Christians of the last twenty centuries? And look to be to maintain continuity with them, rather than going off in strange, unusual directions. Then we come to nature and beauty. Um, get outside. Uh, the, the God, he says, the, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. And in nature, we can experience the beauty of God. He reveals his grandeur, his majesty, his power, his creativity. Also, there's all sorts of created beauty, like artwork and music and, uh, and all, sort, all sorts of other areas of life. Movies that are wholesome and good and, and, and great can really pour into us the wisdom of God. Then he says, there's some books. Uh, he says there's great Christian books and don't just read the latest fiction book of whatever it's about, but go back to classics, go back to things that are really wholesome. And there are some great current authors as well. And he says, then on the, then the internet, it's getting smaller and smaller, uh, Google and Wikipedia only as needed. Focus on trusted sources. Prioritize content recommended by wise people. And then last, at the very top of the smallest amount of the wisdom pyramid is social media. Don't spend all your time there. Learn to live without it. Take some fasts from social media sometimes. And too much of it is bad for your overall health. It's just like eating dessert. Nothing but dessert. So... For many people, this pyramid is completely upside down. And that's why we're not growing in wisdom. Um, we're not intentional about what we're seeking out. Instead, we're just passive and letting it pour in to us. So during this series, we're gonna uh, read through a chapter of Proverbs each week. So I encourage you this past week to read through chapter one. If you missed it, no worries you can catch up. It's not that long of a chapter. Read chapter one. And then this week, continue on and read chapter two, which we're diving into right now. And each week we will take in the word of God. There's all sorts of wisdom in this, in Brett McCracken's book called The Wisdom Pyramid. I recommend it to you. It's not perfect, but it has some good thoughts. And that diagram just there gives you the basics of what that is all about. But really good stuff there. Okay. Be intentional. Verse three. Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding. So here is be enthusiastic, call out. Don't just sit there, go for it. Say, hey, I want insight. If you lift your voice to understanding. Have you you ever watched your favorite sports team at the beginning of a game and they just come out of the game kind of flat? Like there's no energy, there's no passion, there's no want to, there's no, we gotta make this happen. They don't come out ready to play and the other team, they're, they're there. The other team wants it more. This is what this verse is about. Do you want it more? Because you got enemies, you got Satan and all sorts of cultural influences that want it more. Do you want it more? There are are two types of prayer I've said. Uh, One prayer is the dear God prayer and the other is the O Lord prayer. Dear God is... Your God, we thank you for this food that we have received today. And then the, oh Lord, is, oh Lord, I need you. Help me, please pour into my life wisdom. Oh Lord, show me your way. There's some passion there, right? So set aside some time every day because most of life is every day and be enthusiastic to call on God for wisdom. What do you call a Bible that is unused? It's just a book sitting on a shelf. What do you call a boomerang that does not return? a stick. What do you call cheese that is not yours? Nacho cheese. Okay. Anyway, and then call out for insight and understanding. Insight and understanding is the ability to see things and people from God's perspective. It is the heart knowledge of how to live a godly life. If you're enthusiastic about calling out for wisdom, enthusiasm will find a way. Indifference will find an excuse. There's always something else to do but if you're enthusiastic about pursuing this wisdom, you will find a way. You'll find a way to read chapter, Proverbs chapter two this week. You'll find a way to gather with other believers in worship and a life group. You'll find a way to do all these things that are gonna add to the wisdom that you have. And some of you are saying, I get all that, but man, I, my my life is a jumble and I'm really busy and and I'm not, honestly, maybe I'm not that excited about this right now. I wanna encourage you to pray this prayer. Lord. Please give me more passion. I want to, want to. I want to, want to. But I'm not there right now. Can you increase my enthusiasm for true wisdom and understanding? And if you pray that prayer, I believe that God's going to begin to stir in your heart more enthusiasm and passion for his wisdom. Verse four, and if you seek it, God's wisdom, like silver and search for it like hidden treasure. So here's the fourth principle, is that you need to be hardworking. Hardworking. Searching for silver and for hidden treasure is not a passive activity. It is hard work, and there's, you're going after it. It takes a lot to dig up hidden treasure. It takes a lot to find it. Um, And our whole culture is like telling you it's not worth it. Don't spend your time pursuing your own spiritual growth. Don't do it. I don't know if you, any of you guys have ever seen the movie Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Incredible music, a funny movie, but there's one scene in a movie theater, if you haven't seen the movie, it won't make any sense to you, but there's a character who tells the main character, George Clooney, not to do something. Check out what he says. Do not seek the treasure. And I just feel like our culture is constantly telling us, do not seek the treasure. Don't seek God, don't seek the word of God, don't seek the wisdom of God, do not seek the treasure. But we push back against that. Instead, we say, I'm gonna seek God's way with eagerness and with effort. I'm gonna look for it. I'm gonna search for it like hidden treasure. This requires some effort on our part to have the wisdom of God. Desire alone, enthusiasm alone is not enough. It takes work also. It requires effort, and there are many, many wannabe Christians who never get there because they're not willing to put in the hard work it takes to acquire wisdom, all right? Um, The fact is we don't normally coast to victory. It takes pedaling, and sometimes it's uphill. We don't just coast our way there. Now, I want to tell you a story. Um, There was once a ship on the seas just sailing just outside of uh, the coast of North Carolina. It was called the SS Central America. And in 1857, a hurricane hit the coast, actually South Carolina, and uh, the side wheel steamer went down in this hurricane. Um, sadly, 425 people lost their lives. But also on this steamer was 21 tons of gold from the California gold rush. It was the largest collection of lost gold in American history. It actually set off a global financial panic when it was lost at sea. And that gold remained at the bottom of the ocean, a true hidden treasure, from 1857 until in 1998, this man, his name is Tommy Thompson, at the age of 62, made history when he discovered the sunken SS Central America, also known as the Ship of Gold. Tommy Thompson is a brilliant engineer, but he's pretty eccentric and quirky. And against all the odds, he invented a remote-controlled vehicle to bring the gold from the wreckage to the surface. He found the hidden treasure, and he actually brought up Three tons of gold worth about $50 million. He uh, he had raised $13 million from investors to do this project, but even though he raised up the $50 million, those investors never saw a single penny on their investment. They never saw any of the proceeds. He became enmeshed in a legal battle, and in 2012, Thompson became a fugitive from justice along with his girlfriend. He eluded investigators for three years until 2015 when he was captured at an upscale Florida hotel. The US Marshal Service called Tommy Thompson, quote, one of the most intelligent fugitives ever sought by the agency. He relied on cash and employed other means to stay under the radar. Tommy Thompson has been sitting in prison for almost seven years he's been fined $1,000 a day. And actually the only charge against Tommy Thompson, it isn't in connection with any of the lawsuits um, that that his investors have lodged against him. It's actually for just failing to appear at a court hearing to disclose the location of the gold. Folks, there may still be up to 18 tons of gold still down there. And no one knows precisely where it is except Tommy. And old Tommy is sitting in prison, refusing to tell. And he's 70 now. He's brilliant, but he's quirky. He did discover a hidden treasure, but he's looking for the wrong treasure. He's a criminal. He's expended his whole life and now he's rotting in prison for this pursuit of something that everybody wanted. But now it has cost him his his livelihood. It's cost him his freedom. This search has cost him everything. Verse 5 says, When you search for God's wisdom, eventually you will define the hidden treasure. He says, Verse 5, then you will understand, and here's the treasure the fear of the Lord and you will discover the knowledge of God. To know God, to actually know the true, the living God revealed in His Son, Jesus Christ, you will actually come to know Him. And here's the treasure. The first part of it is a stronger walk with God. Now, a lot of people don't value that treasure. They think 18, 21 tons of gold at the bottom of the sea is way more valuable than anything they could have with God. But imagine the one who created the seas, the one who created the earth, the one who created the universe, the one who loved us so much, he sent his one and only son to die for us. You could know him personally. You can understand the fearing him and knowing him. That would enrich, says the book of Proverbs. That is what's gonna change and, and, and dramatically alter the course of your life. Our culture is swamped with information, but we don't see a corresponding measure of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, he says. We saw that in in here. And here we say, when you pursue wisdom, you'll you'll discover this. It's, It's cyclical. It's like you discover the fear, you pursue the fear of the Lord, you take him seriously, and then you, discover the wisdom, and then you understand how great God is and it keeps going on and on. You cr- create a stronger walk with God. There was a business leader by the name of Adam Bryant. He's written many books. He's the CEO of a very successful business. And in an interview, he talked about what I call what he calls the get it factor. And the interviewer asked him, in, the informa- in this information bloated age, many leaders are swamped with data In what ways can they gain meaningful experience in quickly grasping the conceptual essence of the issues, what you call a high get-it factor? And Adam Bryant answered this way, it is a discipline and it is a habit of mind that can and should be practiced. It requires a kind of passionate curiosity and relentless seeking when faced with a new issue or challenge. You ask yourselves, why is this important? Why? What is the underlying theme? What are the consequences that people might not appreciate? What are the three most important insights for somebody who is learning about this? That is great wisdom for business, but it also applies totally to the rest of our lives, to our spiritual growth. There is a get it factor, and he says, When you pursue, when you really go after the wisdom, eventually you get it. It begins to dawn on you how great and mighty and awesome God is. And you begin to get it. It takes time. This is a lifetime experience. But we understand the fear of the Lord, the knowledge of God that keeps us humble and lets us know I'm not in charge of life. There is a mighty God who has got great things for me and I pour my life into pursuing him. Remember what we said—the fear of the Lord. Did we had a little um, we had a little acronym for this, and we said ultimately the fear of the Lord is what the fear of the Lord is. Uh, let's see, the fear of the Lord is taking God seriously by consistently saying yes to Him. Fear of the Lord is taking God seriously, not cringing terror, not going and hiding away from Him, but. It Consistently saying yes to him, respecting him. The fear of the Lord is uh, the beginning of wisdom. And we said this acronym, F-E-A-R. And what did we say that meant? For every area of life, I respect God. That's what we're saying. So all the areas of life, don't allow any area of your life to go untouched by the wisdom of God. We say, I take God seriously in every area of my life. That's what the fear of the Lord is. It's seeking out God's perspective, his truth, his warnings, and his guidance matter to you. God's care and love and justice and forgiveness and righteousness and goodness and greatness matter to you. They're important to you. You know, I used to think that living in the fear of the Lord it was kind of like driving down the street while watching the police officer in my rear view mirror, and I was like, oh, I better not mess up here, I better not go too fast. But in reality, using that same kind of idea, it's driving down the road, and maybe I'm a, I'm a teenage, brand new driver, and I suddenly see in the rear view mirror, my dad's back there. And I'm gonna watch what I'm doing, I'm not gonna speed, because my, my dad's back there, or my mom, or whoever, but th- whoever's back there loves me too. It's not just that they're checking up on me, they just happen to come there, but I, I'm I am watching what I'm doing, But I'm also knowing that they want my best, that they want me to be safe and secure, that they've been doing this a lot longer than I have, and that there's there's this care and concern and and love, and mercy there too. They're not to get me. They're not to catch me. They're out to coach me. They're to love me. And that's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord means we live our life with our heavenly Father always in view. We live in His presence always. We glance up. And we see him, his brilliant holiness, but we also see his love and his care and concern for us. Our response, the fear of the Lord, is this beautiful blend and mix of respect and awe for God and appreciation and knowledge that he loves us. He's crazy about us and he wants the best for us. Taking God seriously by consistently saying yes to him. So the fear of the Lord is not merely self-help tools or pithy inspirational quotes. That's not what Proverbs is about. It's about an entire way to approach your life, to have Jesus Christ as the very center and foundation of everything that you do and to reorient your entire way of thinking and living with your faith relationship to Jesus in the foundation of everything. And the, where, the place that you begin with that is by trusting in Him. Have you ever come to faith in Jesus, true faith? And not just that you believe that he exists or that you knew that he died on the cross, but that he loved you. He gave himself for you. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the dead. He's alive today and he's offering to you life everlasting and life abundant now. He wants the best for you. Have you taken that step of faith? He's offering life to you. He's offering wisdom to you. And when you take that step of faith, and if you have taken that step of faith, then you ask God to begin to pour into you his wisdom, his goodness. And you say, I respect you in all areas of my life. I call you Lord. And that means I follow you in everything I do. That's when you're gonna find the treasure. Another aspect of finding this treasure is verse six. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. This means you're gonna get real guidance for life from God. These words that God is giving to us and that are in this verse here, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, they're not about you becoming intellectually superior to other people or being a nitpicking person that just catches people in their little theological errors that you imagine them to have or becoming a spiritual cop where you're better than other people and you're writing tickets for any time you think somebody steps out of line or is going against what you think the Bible is teaching. No, 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 no. It's to make us humble. And really, the word wisdom is not just about head knowledge and heart knowledge, it's about skills. It's about skills in living a rewarding, honorable, and fulfilling life. In um, the book of Exodus, it says that God gave wisdom to some artisans to be able to craft beautiful artwork for the temple, for the, for the, excuse me, for the um, tabernacle of God. And so it was pouring into them knowledge, not just to have it up here, but to be able to create beautiful things. And that's what God wants in our lives too. He wants us to have that. You know, Job in the Bible is a man who suffered a lot and learned a lot. And in the midst of of his suffering, of losing his family and his livelihood and his health and everything, he he had some insights on wisdom. Let me just share them with you because they have to do with hidden treasure. Listen carefully, Job 28 from the uh, NLT, people know where to mine silver. They know how to refine gold. They know how to shine light in the darkness and explore the farthest regions of the earth as they search in the dark for ore. They sink a mine shaft into the earth from where anyone, far away from anyone, where anyone lives. They descend on ropes swinging back and forth. People know, he says, how to tear apart flinty rocks and overturn the roots of mountains. They cut tunnels in the rocks and uncover precious stones. They dam up the trickling springs and bring to light the hidden treasures. But do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? No one knows where to find it, Job writes, for it is not found among the living. It is not here, says the ocean, nor is is it here, says the sea. It cannot be bought with gold. It cannot be purchased with silver. Wisdom is more valuable than gold and crystal. It cannot be purchased with jewels mounted in fine gold. Job asks, but do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all humanity. God alone understands the way to wisdom. He knows where it can be found, for he looks throughout the whole earth and sees everything under the heavens. And this is what he says to all humanity. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. Now that's gold, guys. That's real gold. Real guidance from the word of God is what we're after. Having found that treasure, you can now begin to enjoy the treasure. Because when you find it, you begin to experience it in real life. And this is is a day-by-day thing. It happens gradually over time, sudden. Sometimes there are big moments of insight and aha moments, but a lot of it's just a gradual accumulation of wisdom over the years. Then you can begin to enjoy the treasure. He says, verse seven, for those who find this treasure. He stores up success for the upright. He's a shield for those who live with integrity. First thing you can enjoy is genuine success. Success, the word here means good results, healthy, life-giving wisdom, abiding, lasting success in life. Not just 15 minutes of fame, not just transitory wealth, but a life with fewer regrets, deeper friendships, Stronger faith, greater character, and then he says he's a shield to those who live with integrity. When we, when we're, when God, when we're walking with God, we're in the zone of God's protection. You're not outside on your own doing life by yourself. You have God's protection. Doesn't mean nothing bad's ever going to happen to you, but it means you're going to be able to be in life and you're going to be able to handle whatever God come, come uh, whatever God allows to come your way because you're you know, following His hand. Verse eight expands on this. So that he may guard the paths of justice. God protects the way of his faithful followers. You you also can enjoy the protection against the threats that come against you from all sides, spiritual threats, uh, personal threats, relational stuff, all sorts of threats in life. God keeps watch over you. There's this invisible hand that's guiding, steering, protecting your life. You avoid many of the common headaches and heartaches and nightmares caused by bad decisions and foolish choices and rebellious lifestyles. You experience protection against these threats. Verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice and integrity. Every good path. These are all relationship words, righteousness, justice, integrity. How do we relate to people? How do we relate to community around us? And he says, when you follow Jesus, when you build on the foundation of God's wisdom, you experience and understand righteousness, you're gonna do the right thing. Justice, you'll treat people with fairness and you'll pursue justice and integrity. Your character will be strong and intact. People will, can, and will respect you because, not because you're perfect, but because you're on the level. You're real. You're sincere. You're authentic. You're genuine. Verse 10, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will delight you. There's going to be this flood of wisdom that comes in on a daily basis, washing over you through the power of the Holy Spirit, entering your heart, And that knowing, that personal knowing of God and his wisdom is gonna delight you. It's it's gonna make you happy. It's gonna bring joy to you. This is the principle, wisdom leading to joy. You're gonna love it. It's gonna be sweet to your soul. You will begin to experience a more beautiful life each day. It will bring a smile to your face and a deep and abiding joy to your heart. It will change your world. You will have found the hidden treasure that God's talking about and it will transform day by day your entire life. Jesus once said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and then reburied. And then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field, he's all in. Because he knows he's discovered in the kingdom of Jesus, the reign of Jesus in his life and in his heart, everything his heart truly desires. Father in heaven, thank you for the treasure, the hidden treasure that a lot of people discount and a lot of people don't pursue. But thank you for this reminder and this revelation in the words of Solomon that it's worth pursuing, it's worth seeking, it takes effort, but we call out for wisdom, we cry aloud for understanding, and we seek it. And thank you, Lord, that as we do so, in all the different areas of life, that you will help us to not only find it, but to enjoy it. God, speak to each person today and show them the nugget of wisdom that you wanted them to take away today, so that they take away from this message the one thing that's gonna be transformative and life-changing. And I ask all these things in Jesus' strong name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you, have a great week ahead.